Hello, and welcome to episode 335 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Armad Bodner and Digby Baker Porzinski. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co host Noah. Hey there. Uh, Armand, thanks so much for coming back uh, and coming on the podcast. Um, we're here to talk about uh, Tales of the Frog Knight, which is currently on, on Kickstarter. Um, and we're going to ask you for the elevator pitch and a, and a quick bio about yourself. Of course, of course. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me back on the podcast. Uh, I know we were, we were just talking about it, you know, before all this started. Um, and I had an absolute blast uh, the last time we did this all those months ago. And uh, I, we are, we are both very appreciative that you would have us on to um, try to pitch our product to the masses. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Um, general bio of myself. I am a uh, freelance full-time narrative artist. I spend most of my days working on uh, independent comic projects and uh, usually some production art for things like packaging. Uh, I freelance with a company that, subcontracts out to Hasbro. I'm under NDA for all those projects, so I can't technically talk about them, but uh, it's it's a lot of vector work. Um, I graduated from the Joe Kubert School a few years ago. Uh, not sure if that is, is, is a plus or a minus to anyone listening, um, but I like my work and I am here along with my, my co-creator Digby to discuss our current uh, creator-owned comics project, Tales of the Frog Knight, which is a medieval low fantasy adventure comic starring the the frog knight which i guess is what it says on the tin um it's it's uh what's a good pitch um it's a a the sort of recounting of the the adventures of a lonely and very depressed little frog in a world of medieval anthropomorphic animals uh kind of a la red wall or or mouse guard or uh, mice templar or mouse or any of the other anthropomorphic animal in history uh comics and stories that have ever existed ever um but it's our own fun little spin on it uh it's told through a sequence of non non-linear unlinked uh short stories so it's a sort of collection of recounted tales of a small and chivalrous uh knight attempting to very very sadly traverse a world that kind of no longer has heroes i i hope that sells it um, that, that, we're on that, kickstarter that's no that sounds that sounds really awesome um digby um we got a we got a great elevator pitch there but uh could we get a, a quick bio about yourself sure thing uh hi i'm digby baker porzinski uh my relevance to the comics world is very obscure. Uh, I definitely came into this uh, from a sideways angle, as I have almost everything else in my life. Um, I went to college for political science, and I spent all my free time uh, doing theater. But really, whenever I was at home or traveling or anything like that, I was always looking for ways to tell stories. Uh, and I've written many plays, I've written short, bad novels. Uh, but Armand and I have been friends since high school, uh, either in drama club or hitting each other with foam swords in the woods. <laughs> and I've always been a huge fan of his art. So when he sketched that first doodle of Frog Knight on his Instagram account, uh, got to be two years ago now, I immediately fell in love, just like everyone else. Uh, so I sent Armand unsolicited a short story about Frog Knight after that first uh, sketch. 
um, because I was so moved by the little character he'd made and the world he was slowly starting to build. Uh, and after that, we started getting in talks about maybe making this a real thing. And the rest is history. That sounds that sounds great. Hey, no, why don't you uh, lead us off with the first question for the guys? Yeah, I was going to ask about that because today I was trying to remember because I remember when Armand first posted the Frog Knight drawing because um, at the time, Matt and I were knee deep in Moss Vale, which is our anthropomorphic low fantasy comic, um, anthropomorphic animal low fantasy comic. So we saw the Frog Knight and I, I showed it to the artist, Travis Wells, and we just like freaked out at how cool it was. But um, how, w where did the idea for Frog Knight come from, Armand? And uh, what were your inspirations behind it? Uh, so that was a while ago, uh, if I remember correctly. I think that was the, the original Frog Knight actually kind of came into being, uh, I think, much closer to when we did our last, our, our last uh, interview on here. And for, for those listening, there's I did a previous episode with these guys. Uh, it was really fun. If you want to know more about like me as a person, uh, that's that's out there. Um, I don't know. I, I I enjoyed it, but I think that was around the time I did that first kind of frog night thing. And there was, and I cannot stress this enough, exactly no uh, thought or any kind of effort put into the frog night at all. Uh, it was kind of it. I was just drawing things for fun. Um, I think one of the, one of like, you know, every so often people will throw suggestions my way for like things to draw. And one of them was at some point a frog night. And I was like, Oh, Oh man, we got to find that night. person. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it, there was slightly, slightly removed. It was, you know, someone says frog night and then a week later I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. That comes up on rotation. Um, but yeah, if you're out there, uh, you know, big thank you. Uh, and never 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 contact me again um <laughs> uh no so I, I i just drew this little frog night it was not intended to be anything i did not plan it to uh have any kind of story behind it it was a drawing to do a drawing and people lost their minds uh in in the very small way that you know um people people might when you have a small following on instagram uh people really responded to it in a way that a lot of my other stuff they didn't. Uh, and at the time, especially I was, um, uh, you know, I, I was paying attention to my, my, uh, the, the sort of algorithm. I was paying attention to my, my interactions and the, the, uh, sort of ratio of likes and shares and all that. And I noticed people really liked the frog night. Uh, so I drew another frog night just because, uh, and people really liked that one too. Uh, and then I drew a third frog night and then it just kind of kept happening uh, I'm very fond of saying that the Frog Knight isn't actually my character. It's a character that I reverse engineered to be likable uh, just by accidentally stumbling on things people seem to enjoy. Uh, and it was through those those initial illustrations of of doing the Frog Knight and trying to figure out what I could draw this, this very sad little looking frog, uh, what scenarios I could put him in that I began to find some inkling, inkling some inclination of the character. I began to develop the world kind of in my head. Uh, I also began to figure out exactly what people were responding to. Um, I know it sounds very cynical to say that that uh, in many ways, the early version of Frog Knight was created based on, on a sort of audience response and uh, by committee. 
but in many ways that was i i i figured out that people uh really respond to very cute things that are that look very very sad uh and are in very dangerous situations um people love the the very sad very cute frog night uh I, I found that people really responded to the sort of implication of a larger story. Uh, and I did not plan on doing anything with it. It was just this little guy that I had kind of in my, in my repertoire and he, you know, I could pull him out and do some prints of him. And until Digby kind of reached out and says, well said, we could do something with this and he would be happy to write it because I have really no time for, for writing things. I was perfectly happy to let Frog Knight wallow in uh, the sort of uh, anonymity of my just general sketches. Uh, so really Digby is the main reason this is all coming to fruition, for which I'm thankful. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm curious about Digby. What was the first short story that you wrote for um, Frog Knight? What, what, can, can you tell us what it's about or is that too much of a spoiler for this? No, part? not at all. Uh... The short story I wrote is so far removed from the Frog Night we have now <laughs> that it's certainly not a spoiler in any way. Um, like I said before, I had been seeing these doodles and really falling in love with Frog Night, just like everyone else. Uh, I am one of the people uh, who, by committee, uh, liked Frog Night's cuteness and sadness and being in dangerous situations. So uh, I just felt this connection and... I've always wanted to collaborate with Armand on something and we've talked about it all the time. So it was less that I reached out and sent a message saying, Hey, we could really do something with this. And more that uh, without any context whatsoever, I sent him the short story. It was three or four pages long. I think uh, nothing too special. And it essentially uh, featured a fly who was being hunted by a giant spider and absolutely para paralyzed with fear. Uh, and of course, right at the last second, Frog Knight swoops in and does battle with the beast. And it was full of um, like very archaic chivalrous language and like over the top, like Arthurian references and sword play. And he fought the eight legged beast and defeated it. And right when he turns around to check on the fly, the fly is terrified of him because he is a frog and begs him to leave and not hurt him, even though he has been saved. Uh, which is maybe not the most original plot line ever, but I thought maybe this could start to get towards the core of what we were looking for in Frog Knight, uh, which is this uh, sort of uh, sad uh, knight errant. Um, but I sent that to Armand and then I like crossed my fingers. And as I recall, the, the response to it was basically, oh, that's pretty neat. I think we could make this way darker. Let's chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um the 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 reality is that digby is and i will i will heap praise on him digby is the reason that the book got done because digby digby writing the book after we we had a very, very long grace period of talking about things and and discussing potential narratives uh digby writing the book is actually the thing that that helped move it across the finish line because um as as perhaps simple as it may seem to write a story down uh digby taking the time to do that and freeing me up to do all my other actual work and then being able to hand stuff off to me was uh invaluable and seeing that that initial story um i mean like digby said we've known each other for years 
Uh, I know that we are incredibly compatible when it comes to our sensibilities and storytelling uh, and when it comes to our, our um, in narrative interests. Uh, we also, you know, it's, it's, I prefer having a writing partner. I like having someone to bounce ideas off of with a different perspective than me. Uh, and Bigby is, is fantastic in that role. And I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of discuss our writing process in its exactitude later on. Uh, but the, the story is, you know, the story that I had concocted with my drawings was hollow. It was, it was there to just kind of be seen and be interesting. Uh, Digby swooped in and after I kind of uh, decided, let's, let's, let's try this out and, and, and kind of gave him the nod. Digby is the, the, uh, the um, kind of Bill Finger to my Bob Kane. He's the one who, who found the world and the character. And then we just kind of filter that back through my, vague artistic lens uh and it's you know i i cannot i cannot espouse his his virtues enough or uh attempt to um humble myself uh enough in the process my goodness <laughs> you so, guys can both so... be bill finger <laughs> it's, we've got two he's, fingers he's, between us he's yeah, he's bill finger He's Bill finger, finger without all of the uh, Bill Finger without all of the unfortunate uh, financial and economic fuckery that happened later on. Uh, yeah, yeah, the night is young. Sure. You guys are <laughs> fair fingering each other. It's good. Oh, I'm leaving this interview. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a, a question about that initial um, short story. Was that written as sort of just a, a pro short story, or did you actually? envision it being sequential art and wrote it as like you know page one panel one how, how how did that first short story get written it was definitely and continues to be kind of a hybrid uh as i said before uh all of my previous experience in writing is uh longer form stuff so uh whether that's like novel length or uh like a one-act play um and even though i didn't have experience uh writing four graphic novels outside of the Neil Gaiman masterclass. Uh, I tried my best in that short story to write it with the intention of visualizing it in these panels. So I didn't write explicit in this panel, this happens, this panel, this happens, but I broke it into very small manageable visual chunks uh, to try and kind of uh, feed it that way. Um, and that's kind of the approach I still use. I do not storyboard for Armand because I feel that he will always have a much better grasp on that kind of flow than I do. So I actually use like the software I use when I'm writing is meant for plays and screenplays. I write it uh, based on descriptions and dialogue. And then together we work out how that translates uh, to a page. And there's been a lot of growing pains with that as well as I try to learn more about the world of comics and graphic novels. Uh, mm -hmm. I love writing dialogue and having these intense like world building conversations between characters. And it falls to Armand to say, Hey, this is all great, but readers might want to catch a glimpse of frog night behind all these speech bubbles. So it's definitely <laughs> been a learning process for me. And in that first short story, it was only barely recognizable as something that could one day be a comic, but now we get closer and closer towards uh, a sort of shorthand between each other. So I can write uh, using the tools I know, and then Armand can take that and actually bring it to life. Very cool. And Armand, with your background, and you know, you, you mentioned that you're you're you know you a graduate of the Kubert School. Do you feel that this is sort of like a, almost like a hybrid of the the 
the old Marvel method that we used to hear about with uh, with Stan and Jack, where you know basically some of the ideas, uh, some of the you know locations, circumstances were were laid out by uh, by Stan, and then Jack sort of formulates it into the to the comics page. Uh, yeah, this is there is there is absolutely a a heavy Marvel method uh, flavor to the way that we work. Um, I I personally think it's it, it's kind of ideal for me. This is my my ideal method of working because um, I am not because I am still you know one of one of the creators and writing the comic as we go. Uh, I am not really beholden to the exactitude of of what we had initially planned. Um, and both the way that the way that Digby writes uh, gives me complete freedom to to play with uh, environments and locations and shots and characters. But also, there's you know um, how do I how do I how do I say this uh, uh, gently? Um, sometimes stuff we write does not make it onto the page uh, because it's because it's a creator on project. Um, a lot of this, you know, there's there's oftentimes stuff that we we write down in script that just gets changed as I'm drawing. Uh, the way Frognet is basically written is I will sort of pitch Digby some ideas of like things, places the story might go and things I'd be interested to, to see. And he throws some stuff at me and we kind of agree on what we want to see. And then he he takes that and distills that down into these really great uh, really great stories and he, th he throws them to me and then I have to sort of filter them back through my prism and my interpretation of the world uh, our outlooks on the the material our understanding of the world are not the same uh, we we have some some kind of uh, differences there's a bit of a void between things like how we interpret certain aspects of the material uh, I think that makes for better and more interesting storytelling because keeping a lot of it open uh, allows us to when we sort of reach the end product uh, it, it allows the sort of spontaneity of creation. Um, there's a lot of stuff that, that we've done that is in the finished, in the finished pages that was not in the script um, mm -hmm. and sort of grew out of, you know, the kernel of an idea that was there. Uh, there are absolutely pages that I have, you know, there are scripts that I have absolutely gutted uh, because in order to, to, fit the page count we were aiming for i had to uh move some things around change some things strike some dialogue there's places we've added dialogue there's places i've uh gone you know whole hog and just written new stuff and then i have to pass that through digby to edit because he is my fantastic editor and i am a garbage person when it comes to to writing i'll just kind of mash my fingers against the keyboard and send it out um I have I like a combination of autocorrect and uh, expediency with no second draft. Uh, my ability for writing borders on complete illiteracy. So having Digby around is <laughs> having Digby. I you, you laugh. I know. I know you know the pain, Digby. Um, having Digby around is is a godsend for that kind of a thing. Um, and I want to I want to comment on the. It sounds horrifying when 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 you say that. Uh, like the scripts come out and so much of it doesn't make it to the page. But the reality is that is such a comforting and trusting place for me to be working because I know that even if I 
overlook something or I screw it up or maybe this dialogue doesn't quite fit the, the mood here. I know that that's something that I can trust Armand to catch and then to turn into what we need for visual storytelling uh, versus my own kind of style of more uh, di dialogue storytelling and uh, environmental storytelling. In many ways, working working alongside someone who has never really written for comics is kind of the perfect relationship for me uh, because it's pure storytelling. There's no no worry about uh, any kind of like shots or camera angles or storyboarding. There's no worrying about uh, pacing. It's Digby, Digby kind of has placed his trust in me to interpret his words. And I have, have placed my trust in turn in him to, uh, you know, sort of take this, this world that I had vaguely created and, and expound upon it and expound upon it and make it uh, a far more um, kind of rich and, and vivid environment. Uh, and as a result, it's this really fantastic, I mean, it's my, it, this is absolutely my favorite, like writing situation. Um, this has been great this whole time. I have, I have deeply enjoyed the creative process. Uh, so heads up uh, comics people um, find writers who don't write comics. It's a lot more fun that way. <laughs> that's awesome um, so no yeah that it's no i was going to ask you to, to fail us in with the next question it seems like you were you were ready to go i'm sorry i, I stepped over you there but uh, go ahead no please. yeah uh moving from writing to like editing i guess how did you guys so you talked about earlier that these are non-linear disconnected stories of the frog night um did you guys have to go through a lot of iterations of figuring out which order you put the stories in for the book? Or was it sort of something where you were, you know, trying to map out a theme for the book and you wanted to develop that theme through different stories? I'm, I'm just curious as to how each individual story kind of came together to create a whole uh, I'd love kind to, of anthology. Digby, do you mind if I, do you mind if I go for it? No, go for it. I have the, the, um, the sort of preamble to, to build up to that point because there's actually, um, a bunch of stuff kind of happened before we reached the the decision uh, to create Frog Knight and release it in the way that we have in these sort of okay. unconnected short stories. Uh, and that is that Digby wrote a whole Frog Knight graphic novel. Um, I mean, I say, you know, technically we did it together, but he's the one who shouldered the burden of actually figuring things out and putting pen to paper. And then I would just kind of critique and add notes. Um and that was the initial after after we kind of said let's do a frog night story uh he wrote a whole story it's four issues uh it's it's a really good encapsulation of the character and we sat down and we talked it through and we realized um pretty much from the bat that it was i very much enjoyed it i was very much excited to draw it but also it was the last frog night story uh, Digby had perfectly written mm. an encapsulation of the character and also a, a very succinct and clean ending for the character uh, which in many ways I like a lot because I hate ongoing ongoing stories and ongoing narratives and <laughs> just the sort of infinitude uh, mm -hmm. in the way that a lot of comics work um, the sort of like rolling never to be never to be seen in an ending uh, sort of narrative and it was really cool having that uh, and we said, this is killer. Let's do it. And then I said, well, I can't do it right now. We'll have to do it in like two years because I'm super busy. Um, because, you know, I, I work full time doing art. Digby works full time. Uh, I don't really have the 
the freedom and free time to just sit down and draw a whole, you know, a whole issue in one go, let alone a, a full graphic novel. Uh, I don't have the time. I can't afford to take the time to do it uh, because, you know, art is, is a fickle mistress in terms of, in terms of employment and in terms of finances. Uh, so we just kind of agreed, this is a really good story. We will revisit this when I have some time. Uh, and then a couple of months passed, I, I drew a few more little frog night things and we could not stop talking about what we wanted to do with frog night. And we decided that, well, let's do short stories. You know, let's, let's, uh, you know, like five or six pages. I can do them in my free time as we go. It'll give It'll give Digby a chance to do some writing. It'll give me a chance to kind of start to draw the characters and feel out the world. And it'll give us a chance to tell uh, stories about this character that we are now kind of super invested in. Um, it had been long enough and the character had sat with us long enough that I was uh, very excited to, to take a crack at it. Uh, and then we decided, everything. well, what if everything we wrote just kind of led towards that final story and now it looms there like the sort of damocles and we know exactly where we're going we have an, a perfect uh end point and digby i, I want to pass it your way i don't want to monopolize this but do you want to talk about um the situation that we find ourselves in telling these sort of non-linear stories and how we're uh how we're approaching that in terms of reaching our our ultimate and final tale sure and you just about covered uh what i was going to say as well in that uh we no no you're no it's good we uh i'm glad we're on the same page <laughs> uh we started with this uh kind of epic tragedy and then realized immediately crap this is the end of the story let's try to work our way back to the beginning um so what we're left with uh and i don't want to give away too much about the world or about uh the the life of frog knight but um our sort of playground that we're working with here is like a roughly 10 year period of Frog Knight's life. Um, and this is when he finds himself alone and beset at all sides by uh, enemies and kind of trying to carry his little torch of justice, uh, even though the world doesn't seem to want him anymore. Um, so we... At this point in the creative process, we've really kind of pegged down Frog Knight's character because we got a whole book of experience on it before we even got to the short story page, uh, stage rather. So we said, okay, so now we can tell all of the little stories that we want, anything we've, we've had rattling around in our head um, through Frog Knight uh, and have them be self-contained, uh, non-linear, so the pressure of like kind of keeping this ongoing story afloat is alleviated because we get to be flexible uh, with when the stories happen, when they take place, uh, the characters who come and go. Um, and of course, we've now transitioned from like, here is the massive uh, monumental story points of this main story we've talked about down to, oh, now we have like all these smaller arcs that they come and go, but they're very much there. So even if these stories are uh, on paper disconnected, in reality, you can start to see uh, the fabric of a bigger tale that they're kind of weaving together. Um, so I've basically probably by this point written like 20 short stories uh, just in the very like 
formative stages, nothing, nothing complete, let alone uh, put to ink. But we talked about what stories made sense uh, to do as like sort of Frog Knight's debut to the world, which is what uh, issue one is in the Kickstarter. Um, and we explored what themes we want to touch on and what facts we want to establish about the world of Frog Knight. And almost more importantly, what stuff we want to keep obscure and let the reader find out later on as we continue developing this story. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, and I like that you kind of have the, uh, like, you kind of have, uh, uh, like, basically on what Armand says, where you have, you know, an ending in mind, it's kind of nice to tell it in little vignettes. So you have multiple endings telling one whole story along the way. So that makes it easier to revisit, uh, you know, as like, as far as a graphic novel that you keep on your shelf. Um, you guys can just sort of come back to it as you want. Um, for, for fans, I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the way that the way that the stories are structured is because we sort of have this like nebulous time period to play in and because we know where we're going, uh, we've been able to to sort of section off micro arcs of the Frog Knights, the Frog Knights kind of story that comprise are, are comprised of several of these small short stories that begin to weave together over the over the course of a couple issues at a time. Um, when we, when we first kind of decided on doing the short story concept, uh, the initial plan was, well, they're all unconnected. All of the short stories are, you know, they, they don't lead into one another. They're all completely standalone. Gosh, we uh, tried then, to have them. Stand. Oh, did we try? Uh, and then we started talking and we realized, well, it'd be more interesting if, if this story led into that one. Well, what if these two, uh, you know, what if these two kind of connected and then we, completely scrapped the standalone idea uh and we began to sort of weave a a uh weave a narrative between some of the stories not all the stories are are part of larger arcs some of them are completely standalone some of them lead nowhere some of them are parts of like two or three story long micro arcs we're we're very adamant that all of the stories are you know, even even if they're a part of, of a kind of slightly larger narrative, they're completely standalone. They have all the requisite information in them. You can read any of the short stories independently and kind of know where it's come from and know where it's going. And you, excuse me, do not need any other uh, any other material to to back it up. Hopefully that maintains through the rest of our of our stuff. Uh, hopefully that carries through and um the interesting thing, just to just to touch on the knowing where we're going with the Frog Knight character, an interesting thing about it is that because we have this story where sort of all is revealed to the reader and Frog Knight undergoes his kind of, uh, you know, isolated hero's journey, sort of an arc, like his, his sort of emotional overcoming of problems and we learn about the Frog Knight's backstory and, and all is kind of made manifest in this last tale... Uh, because we have that, uh, we don't really want to do that with, with Frog Knight in a lot of these stories now. Uh, we'll have, we have stories that, you know, focus on him and the kind of what he's going through, but he doesn't undergo a whole lot of actual character development for this, uh, the time period in which these stories are set. He is, is very much a sort of monolith. And that's reinforced by the fact that the character is actually mute, um, or silent. He, he can speak but does not uh again one of the many things explored later on 
in the story, but he is, uh, for all intent and purpose, uh, excluding, you know, like screams and grunts and, and vocalizations, he's a completely silent character, uh, which is that fun. was fun as a writer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, that's fun as I absolutely love that as a storyteller. Um, I, I try to pitch as many of our stories to work without dialogue. Uh, I pitch as many that way as I can, because um, as as like a, as, you know, as an artist, as a storyteller, as someone who who is drawing comics, uh, the ability to tell a story without dialogue is kind of one of the most important things mm -hmm. um, to the ability to to like purely visual narrative uh and i freely admit i have not you know i have not mastered it yet there are plenty of artists who have um but it's really really enjoyable on my end trying to work out uh how to tell a story with almost no dialogue um and it's certainly working on this has certainly made me a better storyteller uh because we're all working on short stories it has made me far more um judicious and conservative with my page layouts with how i tell information um, I have loved it. It has absolutely made me a better artist. Uh, but wheeling, jumping back all of a sudden to Frog Knight is totally silent. We have really no dialogue from him. Uh, some of the stories are, you know, it's tales of the Frog Knight, but Frog Knight can become a vehicle for, for telling sort of more intricate stories of other characters and people. Uh, and there are a few narratives that we have where Frog Knight Frog Knight is our our hero. He's our, our main character, but he's not necessarily always the protagonist. There are other uh, other characters kind of around him who who have just as interesting stories that Frog Knight appears in and facilitates. Uh, and that's all kind of a part of his ongoing journey to, you know, spread honor and chivalry and try desperately to not be killed. That's definitely something we found as we started to pull together this short story structure and the different strands of the story kind of interlace themselves despite our best efforts. Um, we found that uh, as opposed to the structure of the main story where Frog Knight is very clearly the main character and is undergoing his own transformations, these short stories, you instead of meeting them as Frog Knight meets them, you meet Frog Knight through the eyes of other characters and you see the world through the eyes of other characters and the people he meets and the lives that he touches and changes and ends. Um, and that has been such an interesting way to kind of reverse engineer the world of Frog Knight is by understanding, okay, we have this silent character. So it's going to be up to everyone else that we meet to kind of voice uh, what's going on in the story. Um, and he's just kind of there. Uh, and that's been really, really fun to, to work our way around and explore. That's, that's really interesting. And Armand, are you the, the letterer on the, on the book? Uh, I am, I am the everything, uh, all okay. the, all the <laughs> interior art and production is, is handled by me, uh, you know, co-writing, penciling, inking, coloring, lettering, uh, all the layout stuff that is all on me. I have a few, um, I have some, some assistants for coloring. Uh, I mm -hmm. have some flatters who, who help me flat my pages. Uh, but as far as all of the actual production stuff, that is all, all on my end. So, Amazing. you know, one of the, one of the rules is, you know, in comics is, is show don't tell. And with a mostly silent character, it seems like you'd be able to, 
you know, do a lot of that. Um, how are you handling sort of the other characters maybe voicing uh, some of the, the the story points so that, you know, we're able to, you know, along with the show don't tell, you know, we're, we're getting sort of a narrative. How are, how are you guys, is that a challenge or is it, uh, is it liberating? No, I love it. I love it. I think it's, I think it's super liberating. Um, I just, because for me, it's really fun to uh, try to work out the dialogue for, for characters that are in, in oftentimes sort of acting against the stone wall that frog knight can be. Um, mm-hmm. And, and to try to figure out how to, how to work out the right amount of dialogue that, reveals the correct amount of information to the audience, but also doesn't feel expository. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know it's, it's sort of cliche, but uh, God, like a lot of the old dialogue in, you know, in comics where it's, you sort of have that like Stan Lee voice where a character is in a panel um, in like a, a very large paragraph, sort of recapping all of the information uh, that's exactly happening to them in that moment. Um, yeah. There's a, I'm a huge fan of, of Alex Toth and he has this phenomenally illustrated Zorro, uh, Zorro, um, comic. There's a just beautiful art, beautiful, gorgeous, fantastic, but there are panels that have, you know, there, there's this sort of storytelling disconnect where, uh, some of the panels have just so much exposition telling the reader exactly what's going on. Uh, I feel like it actually detracts from from reading the comic in many ways because i would rather i would rather see uh you know like zoro leap onto a horse and ride away than be told that he does it heroically i would rather see frog knight uh engage in combat or or see the expression on his face if he's tired or sad or see how other people react to him than be told by either someone else in the scene in a very bizarre manner or uh, by some sort of omniscient narration be told that, uh, you know, the frog knight's shoulders are, are heavy with exhaustion and he sweats and weeps or, or however, like that sort of like Chris Claremont X-Men writing style where it's, it's hyper descriptive and the voice is really interesting, but it never really sat with me where, you know, I, I just, I just kind of, I've always been a very visual, so I just kind of want to see it. Um, I don't need to be told the innermost thoughts of all the characters all the time. Uh, but that's i'm also biased because i predominantly draw comics um as much fun as i have writing them my my main focus is on storytelling and i feel like that's that's kind of the the gem that i wish to polish for myself is is visual narrative sure and i'm i'm curious um like about like rhythm in that sense too or do you do you do you think about that while you're drawing and knowing that it's mostly going to be silent are you thinking about the rhythm of the page and the panel or does you find that that just has come naturally over years of drawing sequential art uh a bit of both um the rhythm and the rhythm and and kind of narrative beats uh super important and i i want to say that i think about them whenever i draw um I do pay attention to them, but I think more often than not, they sort of emerge naturally out of what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get across visually. Sometimes when I'm reading the story, uh, just in script format, I'll see like, this will be a really interesting narrative beat. Or if I do something, you know, here I'll have three panels where it's look, look away, look back again. Um, I love, I love trying to play with, with, uh, play with the sort of the, the, 
the beats and intonation which a reader reads a comic. Um, there's a couple uh, very specific visual narrative beats uh, in, in this issue that I had. Um, one of them is a uh, sort of shot reverse shot facial reaction. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Digby might know what I'm talking about. I know um, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, my favorite yeah. parts. My, so <laughs> one of my one of my all time, and this is this is a weird weird pull and a weird tangent, but one of my all time favorite uh, like page turn narrative beats in comics is in Alan Moore uh, Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, and there's in the in the first no sorry in the second arc. Uh, the League is fighting the aliens from War of the Worlds. The story isn't actually important, but there is a there's a plot point where the aliens uh, fill the, the the Thames River up with like plants, and Mister Hyde comes out of the Nautilus submarine, and you don't see the world around him. You just see him, and there's several panels of him getting ready for his day, and he walks outside, and in the last panel on the page, uh, he kind of looks off off screen or off panel, as it were, and says. Uh, so the river is supposed to look like that then. And then it's a page turn and it's a double page spread of the whole river just completely filled with alien tentacles and, and carnage. And there's something about it. And I don't know if it's simply the transition from, from this kind of small panel to the sheer scale of a double page spread. It Every time I, I see that, it just, it makes me feel... Uh, very inferior when it comes to just very simple storytelling um there's something about it that's incredibly fun and incredibly funny i find it a really really funny uh slightly dark beat that i just think was executed so well in a way i can't totally describe um and i know that's a very specific reference but i think about that all the time yeah kevin o'neill alan moore just so magic the the storytelling the the storytelling that kevin o'neill did in that book was incredible because he would just draw he he was so good at making sure that every piece of information that becomes important in a panel is telegraphed at the very least in the in the panel in front of it um, oh yeah he was so good at setting things up when they're when they're fighting mr hyde and i i the reason i'm mostly saying this is because i was rereading the comic the other day and i was finding all these little nuances when they're fighting hyde uh and and Quartermain force feeds him a bottle of laudanum in the previous panel. So small, it's almost imperceptible. You see the bottle sticking out of his pocket. Um, just just such a, a perfect understanding of how to draw with exactly the right amount of, uh, amount of narrative information that the reader will need to link these beats together. So good. Um, yeah. So that's me funny over that for no reason. Yeah. Uh, do you uh, and Digby you know, coming from a theater background, are you thinking about rhythm and sort of the the musicality and the words when you're writing it? Do you find that, um, do you find that to be something you're thinking about or is it sort of natural for you too? I try to get that across in dialogue, but I, it has been such a learning experience for me um, because ultimately uh, the truth is anything I contribute is not in any meaningful way going to make it to the final page because the final page is a comic book and I'm writing words. Uh, so kind of having that transition from my stuff over into the graphic novel format, like I can't storyboard. Like if I tried to draw a bunch of panels to showcase for Armand, what, uh, what I had in mind in terms of like the trickle of information and the narrative beats, uh, flowing, uh, 
it would be a disaster. Uh, mm-hmm. So I try really hard to write the the stuff that I write in a way that that does feel natural. Um, whether that's just in like uh, specifically placed line breaks and page breaks, whether I highlight something uh, important that needs to be examined instead of leaving it up to like kind of general environmental filling in. Um, so as much as I, uh, I do try to get uh, rhythm in the dialogue and in the, the flow of the story itself, anything that actually makes it to the reader is entirely owed to Armand and not to me. Go, oh, don't sell yourself short. Uh, you're very important from what, from everything I've been hearing. So I'm so excited to read this book after everything you guys have talked about. It, it sounds amazing. Thanks. So, you know, normally one of the things we, we do in addition to talking story, um, anybody that's that's running a, a crowdfunding campaign when they're all, we ask them generally, uh, you know, some tips, tricks, things that they've discovered. Um, is this the first time for both of you going to, to Kickstarter? Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. And we are uh, spoiled for our oh first time. Uh, it has been an embarrassment of riches, and I have exactly zero tips and tricks uh, <laughs> as to how to, to pull this off. I think quite literally and, and, and quite actively, the only thing that has um, sort of allowed uh, has sort of allowed us to reach this point is the slow release that Frog Knight has has undergone. Uh, mm. Because this because this has just been kind of a passion project that we have worked on in our free time intermittently over the past year. Um, mm-hmm. Because you know I'm I'm always busy with with projects. Digby has Digby has his you know he's working full time as well. Uh, it has been something that has come out in trickles in 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 small drips and drops here and there as we're able to to complete them and that has led to um just just as a quick aside that has led to an amazing the the whole book is a really incredible sort of uh time capsule uh where you get to watch my art and my approach to the character and the approach to the world and approach to storytelling in general uh fundamentally change as you read through it uh there's wow. it's it's i um in many ways, I wish I could redraw all the stories. And in fact, I redrew one he of has. them. He has. He has several times. I redrew times. one of them. Uh, but there is a really, you can kind of, it's a very cool visual record of what I've been up to the past year in terms of storytelling. But uh, the, in terms of the Kickstarter, uh, because it has been a slow release, I have been releasing a page a week on my Patreon uh, and as well as some like behind the scenes material and, you know, uh, bits and pieces here and there on, on Instagram because it's been a page a week for a year, very slow rollout uh, that has sort of allowed a, a natural, uh, a natural progression of people to find the material and become interested in the material and keep an eye on the material um, yeah. because mm-hmm. it's take, because it's taken so long. It's just naturally built up uh, a sort of little Fortnite fan base. I did not expect uh the rea- the response that we got um I-, I have said a few times we are in you know somewhat overwhelmed uh incredibly ecstatic and very humbled uh by the the sort of voracious response that people have had to the material um, to give some context we'd really tempered our expectations as we were getting ready to release the kickstarter and we yes. were talking about like contingencies of what we should do if we don't quite make our goal 
how um, much money we would each have to contribute to yeah get <laughs> how much the did we line. gotta pay to the, yeah to the goal of the, the, alive. The, the goal of the kickstarter was always um get issue one printed physically ideally under its own power you know if we can get issue one printed uh without having to spend any of our own money and break even at the end of the day that's the goal um mm-hmm. and the 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 reaction has been better than that we're past that threshold and <laughs> awesome. it, it's been very very exciting and we and reached our humbling. goal yes specifically in less than 24 hours uh so that goal of getting frog knight printed and bringing him finally to life we hit that uh actually, i actually think it was less than 12 hours uh which was of course me and Armand staring at our phones in complete shock for <laughs> an entire day uh and being baffled and now we're about actually we are one week into our campaign with three weeks left more than three weeks left and we are approaching 400 funded um and so if we had to like talk about our success and like uh what has happened to make this this occur i think that all we can really point to is we found the right people we found uh passionate people who uh care enough about the story and about the character to really uh help us see him come to life and we're just forever going to be in their debt and we're so grateful to the outpouring of support we've gotten uh on the campaign so far absolutely uh yeah today today the i mean i don't know when this goes up but today the tuesday we're recording this marks the you know the one week threshold um and yeah i i completely you know digby hit the nail on the head it's it's we are completely in the debt uh and and the the service of those who have seen fit to be excited enough for frog knight to fund it um the 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 model that we used which is you know slowly releasing material for a year and trying to build interest is not a sustainable or, or repeatable model uh for for most commercial comics um sure. that no, you like if that's burning the midnight oil yeah if that's if that if that's your actual like strategy it's a bad strategy it happened to us on accident it, it helped that's just the way it happened it helped it yeah. certainly helped Oh, that's um, not what I said. <laughs> oh, what did, what did you say? I said, get help. Do not oh. plan to uh, to release your comic by working yeah, yeah. double time, uh, you know, two jobs yeah. at a time yep. uh, for a year. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's the the but, you know, if you're if you're doing a commercial comic, if you're doing something that needs to be produced in a certain period of time, uh, needs to be out in a certain period of time, you don't really have the luxury of of like this kind of slow uh the 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 slow and steady release of of material and because it was a passion project that's pretty much the only thing that allowed us to do it i was doing it in my very limited free time um and and uh i mean it all it all worked out so i regret nothing uh but i probably could have spent some of that time doing other stuff making more money elsewhere (laughs) It was a lot of sending each other scripts and doodles at like three mm-hmm. in the morning. Yeah, I think we yeah, met yeah. like every two or three months to yep. talk about it in a coffee shop. We get really excited and then work our asses off for a week, completely hyper-focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then come back to reality of, ah, gosh, we have jobs and chores and stuff that needs to get done. But it's just so hard to tear ourselves away from the world of Frog Night. And that's magic right there, man. That's like speaking of alan moore that's that's what comics are great for that um, that inexplicable thing that keeps bringing you back and wanting you to create wanting to create more but 
finding a collaborator that wants to do it with you that's i mean that's sorcery that's awesome and i'm yeah, not meaning that 100%. like you know in, like a literal sense but like just sort of that inexplicable sense like you said it's maybe not the best business model but it worked you know no no um, i mean it i I mean it in it's the alchemy. very literal sense. I used actual magic to make dignity. I believe it for me. Okay, thank you for. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was I was leading you there, but I'm glad you I'm glad you just took it there. Thank you. Yes. My pact yes. forgives yeah. me to speak of it, but uh, yes. I'm glad okay. you brought it into the light. Once yeah. once we finish all the frogman material, Digby will dissolve into dust, and I will lose my hands. But it's going to be worth it. Please okay, that makes frog night. I don't want to yeah. be dust. Yeah, we can, that's the <laughs> real that's boy. The if we can if we can make frog night until we're dead then Digby won't turn into dust and I won't have my hands like fall off. Awesome. Frogmite for us. Guys, this, this is a, this is a really cool book and I'm, I'm super excited uh, for it. Um, you know, we, we talked about a lot of different things here, you know, we're going to link the, uh, the Kickstarter in the show notes. Uh, but uh, let's, let's start off with, with Digby. Digby, where are the best places to, to keep up with you uh, online? um if, if you want to share those sure uh i am quite new to the comic scene so i certainly haven't made any efforts at building up any sort of a following uh but now that we've got the kickstarter up and running uh, a lot more of my normally personal social media presence has been devoted to promoting frog night and answering people's questions and helping get the word out uh and so the only place relevant to frog night to find me is on instagram which is also armand one of armand's main uh, locations and my personal instagram is at underscore underscore digby my name is spelled d-i-g-b-y you can take it up with my parents um and but outside of that the best way to get to me is to find armand instead because he has such a bigger following and outreach uh so i will move right along to him cool yeah. and uh Aaron, we will we'll link your 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 Instagram um, in the show notes. I'm assuming, uh, as an artist, that's probably your preferred method to uh, to share stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I certainly greatly appreciate it. Uh, I almost I almost feel sad that we have to end. Digby and I could talk for another three hours about absolutely nothing. Armand also uh, has you, a Patreon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I was going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. getting Patreon. There. Okay. Yeah. Yes, so uh, I can. <laughs> yes, I can be found. I can be found uh, all over the place on the interwebs. Um, on Instagram, it's Armand Bodner, A R M A N D B O D N A R, uh, and that's my handle pretty much everywhere. It is my name. Um, you can find me on Patreon, uh, Armand Bodner, on Twitter, uh, Armand Bodner, and of course our Kickstarter, Tales of the Frog Knight. Issue one, get it today. Um, I mean, we we're we're out of a couple of tiers already. Uh, did not expect it to happen, but we still have some cool cool stuff. Uh, we're planning some cool merch and add-ons. Uh, we want to get some enamel pins made. Uh, we've got some stickers coming. We have some absolutely killer pinups uh, in the book by by some phenomenal guest artists who I. Uh, tricked and finagled and blackmailed into drawing our sad little frog. <laughs> and um, I had to so, learn that pinups yeah. are not women you draw on the side of a yes. plane in World yes. War II. <laughs> uh, well, they are, they are, but also not. Um, eventually, we'll get one of those for Frog Knight. We'll get a nice, uh, a nice like Frog Knight like shield. Yeah. Yes. 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 A whole new, a whole new avenue of Frog Knight merchandise is open to us, Digby. For a very select crowd. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. So just cool. just for airplane pilots in World War II specifically. <laughs> yeah, yes. I think we missed our window for that actually. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, look, look, look for my name wherever uh, the internet is, and you'll probably find my presence. Um, and that's yeah, that's where to find me. Uh, you cool. you may not you may not find me in person. Uh, do not come looking for me. I am I am in deep in the woods. Uh, I am hiding from the world. If you can find me and you can answer my riddles, I will give you a copy of Frog Knight and send you on your way. Ooh, sounds 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 good. Yeah, we're gonna we certainly like I said we're gonna link the the Kickstarter and we'll link uh, everybody's uh, socials there, uh, guys. It's been it's been a lot of fun um, talking with you guys. Um, you know, the, I just want to encourage everybody to go check out this this awesome book on Kickstarter. Well, thank uh, thank you for having us. Oh, yeah. oh uh, before before I forget, um, I'm going to use this as a platform to uh, advertise all the other stuff that I'm working on. Uh, at the moment, I am working on a, a another book, an independent book called Primordials of Etra from the upstart comic publisher Comicspiration in England. Uh, issue one is done and currently in limbo. It's been in limbo for a while. I think we're looking at a uh, possible Kickstarter release. It's going to be really fun. I'm working on issue two. They've given me uh, uh, an egregious amount of time to to stop work on issue two and work on Frog Knight, and I am very grateful to them for that because uh, I feel I feel incredibly indebted to the fact that I worked very very slow on all my projects, regardless. So there's that. Shout out, guys. That's awesome. You're 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 killing it. Thank you, dudes. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Looking looking forward to that as well. Um, there's going to be another, there's going to be some other Kickstarter links in the show notes. There will be a Kickstarter link for Cthulhu Invades Neverland. That's an anthology that's currently on Kickstarter. Uh, Noah wrote, or I wrote a story for that. Noah illustrated that. Uh, there'll be a pre-launch link for Future Tales of Sci-Fi. That's launching August 17th of 2023. Again, Noah on art, and I am uh, the writer of that. And additionally, there will be another link for previews and Dying Days from Red 5 Comics. Uh, that's currently in previews um, at the time of this recording. I created that. It's a four-issue series, and Noah was the letterer of that book. So uh, links galore in the, in the show notes. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, the, the podcast that is, we're on Twitter, and that is at ConstructComPod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I just want to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.